0: The following program is sponsored by Victorian Finance. Welcome to the program, Real Estate, with Sonny Bringle. I'm Gary Dixon. Sonny, good to see you again. Gary, good day. Nice to have you back. We'll learn some more interesting things today on the program. uh, I know this is, uh, you you have the agenda, but I know it's something to do with insurance, (laughs) which is a very important topic for homeowners. And we're going to talk about that uh, on today's program. I'll also give you throughout the program contact information, websites, and all of that if you're interested in contacting Victorian Finance, which is the sponsor of this program. Sonny? Thank
1: you, Gary. This show is about real estate, uh, but in order to protect the real estate we have, we get insurance to ensure if there's ever any damage to it then, that we protect one of our single great, greatest purchases and assets that we have in our life. Because buying a home is the most significant financial decisions most people make, and you need to make sure you have proper protection if that gets damaged by any means possible. There's many different types of insurance, and we have a guest on today who's been on the show before and is our resident insurance expert, Mr. Casey Pepe with Stalwart Insurance Agency.
2: Hello, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be back here
1: today. Thank you for inviting (laughs) me back on the show. (laughs) Thanks, Casey. And uh, we're going to focus today on flood insurance. It's one of those things that people think they know everything about, but it's amazing how little people know about it. And even more amazing is how many people don't have it that truly need to have flood insurance because they just simply don't know they need to have it. The analogy I give everybody is even if you're on top of Mount Everest, you could still need flood insurance. That's one of the things that usually blows people away is that they sit on top of a hill and they don't think, well, I'll never flood. Well, flood doesn't always mean the river coming up into your bedroom. Flood has other definitions that we'll go through today. So hopefully everybody listening today will get a better understanding and not scare everybody too much to where they fear of being in flood damage. But it's certainly a topic that's appropriate because there's a lot of people that have been affected in the past from flood damage. From Western PA or Hurricane Ivan, when it came through, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of people in Western PA that was severely damaged from the flood insurance. And a lot of those people survived. And it's not just people's homes. It's their cars, their businesses, commercial buildings and barns and everything else that gets demolished as well that you need to make sure they're inclusive in that. But you can go all the way through the United States and hear past stories of Hurricane Katrina, Houston, Texas floods a lot, West Virginia had a lot of flooding in the past. And those things that you really, you hear the sorrow, the impact on those people, but if they had the right knowledge of flood insurance, they could have been covered to prevent the financial damages of that. Casey, can you give us an idea of what flood insurance programs are available?
2: Sure. Well, the, the most widely known one would be the NFIP, uh, the National Flood Insurance Program, that is provided through FEMA through the federal government. That's the one that, that is the most prevalent and the most relevant in our society today that everybody knows about. There's also a private flood insurance. Now, with the National Flood Insurance Program, you have, you're either in a flood zone, you have your A and E's, And uh, that's your high flood zones. That's where you're going to flood. You also have a flood zone X that is not considered a high risk of flood zone. Um, In in previous years, whenever we had the big hurricanes coming through, there was a lot of homes that were in, let's say, a 250-year floodplain that never flooded before. But those storms came through, and the perfect storm was situated, so then they did have flood damage. Um, and they 're doing a real big revamp on the flood insurance maps right now so let 's say John Smith, customer X y z home insurance, he never had a flood at his house. he lived there for seventy five years. He is now getting a letter in the mail saying that he that his maps have been revamped and that he is now in a flood insurance in a flood zone so now he 's going to be required to have flood insurance on that if he has some type of mortgage or any type of note on his property there right so you 're saying that if they weren't in a flood
1: zone before and the new flood maps come out, that their current mortgage servicer could require them to get flood insurance?
2: Yes, sir. We see that coming in the office all the time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's very relevant and it's happening a lot right, right now. Well,
1: and that's not a, a budgeted item people were prepared for.
2: Absolutely not. Yeah.
1: And do they have any recourse to determine if they're accurate in determining they're in a flood zone or
2: not? Well, the NFIP and FEMA, they do they do the maps. So they do they do go out and they send their elevation the, the elevation the elevation certificate out. So they go out and they take the they take the measurements and they're like, okay, you're in a negative four foot floodplain. So now that's when they're going to be required to have it. Another way that you could possibly get around it is get getting what's called an elevation certificate. Um, these normally cost anywhere from seven hundred and fifty to a thousand dollars, and it's wow. a private firm that comes out and they map out your property that you have. Um, one of the biggest ways that we see this is, let's say you have a house and you have a detached garage. Okay, One corner of that detached garage is in a floodplain. So now immediately, NFIP is going to say, you are now in a flood zone, you need to insure this whole property. That's all well and good, but the cost of flood insurance is, you could be, you could be upwards of $2,000 a year on it. Um, And to have, let's say, $1,500 worth of flood insurance on the corner of your detached garage, that's a lot of money to to pay for just a detached garage Year after year after year. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And to your point, if you're able to get that elevation certificate to clarify how little of the property is in a flood zone that you can get a waiver from your mortgage servicer to where you don't need it for the entire house. Yes. Uh, And that's a significant item because who has a flat yard? Nobody around here. <laughs> Nobody around here. So you definitely could have that corner. That's a lot of cases that we've seen uh, before where it's just a piece of the property is in a flood zone, not the entire house. And so you can save yourself a lot of money by doing that. But when you hear of like a 250 year floodplain, I mean, you know, how do they come up with 250 years? Where does 500 year, 100 year floodplain? If you look at some of the history of it, it's amazing that they say, well, an Indian reported that the horse was underwater at this point. <laughs> So 500-year floodplain, how do you know that when you say, like, you know, that they look at what what the floods could happen in the past? So even though it's a 500-year, 250-year, 100-year floodplain, that doesn't – you can't look at that and go, well, I got another 400 years before I'm going to get flooded. again." No. No. So you really have to look at that. I have a chance of being flooded, and do I want to pay for this risk or not?
2: Exactly, and that's that's one of the things I I, I, I always ask myself: uh, What type of measuring devices were they using 250, 500 years ago? Whenever whenever the flood did come, were they using a the tree branch or you know? It's, it's it's just hard to deviate, you know, especially with the changing landscapes too. So it's it, it, that's a question I've always asked myself whenever like, okay, well you're in a five hundred year floodplain. Well, who measured it five hundred years ago? So now if
1: uh, you haven't received this letter in the mail, because we say if, you know, they should send it out, but mail gets lost or you don't know or you're not sure about your house, how do you find out if your house is in a flood zone or not?
2: It, it's, it's very simple. You can contact your, your insurance agent, um, and the maps are available through the National Flood Insurance Program. If you don't feel comfortable calling your insurance agent on this type of issue, you can contact FEMA directly um, right on the website. Uh, it's the NFIP.gov. Uh, you can go on there and you can pull a flood map on your property right there and talk to a representative from FEMA and the National Flood Insurance Program to deviate whether or not your house is or is not in a flood zone.
1: So that's NFIP.com. Yes. All right. So once we've gone through this process and we've determined we're in a flood zone, we've got the information. So what is a definition of a flood? What would be covered by flood insurance and what would not be covered by homeowner's insurance?
2: Okay, let's start with the well-known definition. Yeah. A flood is rising water. Let's say you have a little creek in your backyard. It comes up. It floods your basement and your house. That's considered a flood. Um, another part, another flood is water coming down a hill. Okay, So you have water coming down the hill, a lot of runoff water, and then that in turn floods your basement and floods your house. That is also considered a flood. Your Form 3 regular homeowner's policy does not cover damage from flood waters. Okay? So this is where the flood insurance kicks in and this is what you really wanna pay attention to whenever you're shopping for flood insurance. There's two separate parts of flood insurance. You have your dwelling coverage to cover the structure of your home and then you have your personal contents coverage to, to cover all your personal belongings that you have in your home. One of the biggest mistakes that I see when people are getting flood insurance is they want to go for the cheaper route they only want to get the dwelling coverage that's all well and good but now tell me if you have a finished basement you have your TVs you may have some clothes down there you have your electronics you have a wet bar all of those personal belongings are not going to be covered underneath of your flood policy if you do not add your personal contents into there
1: well that's a significant because a lot basements are mostly finished a lot of houses and would not have realized that because the first thing you would think is like, yeah, my basement flooded. Yeah, I'm not near a creek. It's not rising water. Well,
0: what if it's just your m- millennial child living down there? So do you-
1: <laughs> we can get that person a mortgage right. at some point. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, yeah, the, uh, it covers the personal items of your children living in the basement that you're maybe this is the way you push them out. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> you're going to have
0: to pay for flood insurance or whatever. <laughs> right.
1: yeah, that's definitely one way yeah. to get them out of there. <laughs> But that that's a great. I personally went through that experience as well, where um, I lived on the side of a hill, and the mudslide from the rain went through my patio door down into my basement. Yep. Not um, at all covered by your homeowner's insurance policy. You weren't expecting that one. No, I was not expecting that one, and you know, it's a nice, pretty mudslide, nice, beautiful mud, but all in my basement, not single mm. item covered. My, my homeowners insurance so this happened to me over 15 years ago and i did not have flood, flood insurance so i was completely on the hook for all the costs repairs renovations for that for something i'm on the side of a hill and it was rain and that's such i want to make people understand that that can happen anywhere in western pa
2: absolutely and that's that's exactly why i brought the point up it's not it's not your well known definition of just a little creek in your backyard rising and putting water in there
0: but that's that, what we all envision, I think, because that's what we see on the news primarily. We see the river rising, and those people that live very close to the river get flooded. But it can be, as in Sonny's case, much more than that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, 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 it's definitely a scary issue. If I say it's always better to insure than not to insure, no. um, you know, especially when it comes to mud and water, because that can be some of the grimiest stuff that you have coming into your house.
1: And it's but you know we've talked about hurricanes but hurricane season when it comes around you should be prepared for those type of events but it could happen at any time during the year. So but if I got flood insurance how long after I get the insurance policy in
2: place am I protected actually from flood damages? So you you just purchase flood insurance when are you covered? You have with a standard policy you have a 30 day wait to put in any claims. There's also if you just purchased your house and this is being required by your lender, there is no wait. It's immediately effective. Well, that's a key distinction because if I've already owned my
1: home and I decide now that I want to buy flood insurance, I buy it today, I'm not really covered till 30 days from now. Yes. Okay. But if I buy a brand new house, I'm covered immediately.
2: Yes, if it's lender required, you are covered immediately. Wow, okay. I didn't realize those parts Good to were know. different.
0: If you're just joining us, the program you're listening to is Real Estate with Sonny Bringall. Sonny, the president and owner of Victorian Finance, they provide residential mortgages to people buying houses, making that process as easy and stress-free as possible. The phone number for Victorian Finance is 888 That's 888 888- 333-0191, and their website. I'll give you a couple of websites for Victorian Finance. It's basically that, victorianfinance.com. Also, another website specifically for this program, and that is called realestatewithsunnybringle.com. You can go there, and you can even ask questions or bring up topics you'd like discussed in future
1: programs. Thank you, Gary. And please go to the website, the realestatewithsunnybringle.com, and ask a question because we really want to provide content that you would like to hear. And if there's anything we haven't covered that you have a question about, a topic we're currently talking about or a future topic you'd like us to talk about, please go to realestatewithsunnybringle.com and go to ask a question and please give us uh, some insight on what you would like to hear. Back to Casey again. For flood determinations, this is something for people trying to sell a house that I want to make sure that they're aware of as well, that when you're preparing to sell your house, it is best to get a flood determination as soon as possible before you list it.
2: Yes, absolutely it is. Um, I, I've seen too many horror stories where there is a pending transaction going through. Uh, the sellers, are ready to sign the papers over, and then that flood determination comes through, and it turns out that their house is in a flood zone, and now it's changing. It's, it's, it's definitely throwing everything off.
1: Well, and there's a cost of flood insurance, so it could definitely affect the qualification you have on being able to afford that house. Certainly. You know, and you can waste a lot of time from appraisals and home inspections. You can spend $1,000 on a house before you find out it's in a flood zone. Absolutely. And you've just wasted that $1,000.
2: Yes, unfortunately, that is, that is true. And the easiest thing for
1: sellers to do to help out everybody is to have that determination beforehand, especially since the maps have been redone. They very well could have been people that didn't get the letter or lost the letter or somehow got destroyed, and they're in a flood zone, and they're, they're not even aware of it.
0: How yep. do they get that done? How do they get that determination? Is that some, a call they have to make, or does somebody do that for them as part of the selling process, or what?
2: Well, no, one, no one's going to call you and tell you, hey, your house is in a flood zone now. You may get a letter from your mortgage provider saying that you are now required to have flood insurance, that the mm-hmm. map has changed. Um, but you really want to put that on your own shoulders. You want to you be the one to call your insurance agent and be proactive Uh, especially with the changing maps now.
0: So you're saying if I'm thinking about or planning on selling my home, uh, hopefully I'm uh, working on my credit history and taking (laughs) a look at that, something I've learned from (laughs) Sonny over these uh, programs. We'll get to that
1: again. (laughs) Um,
0: I'm looking at my credit, trying to make sure we're okay there, and another thing I need to do is contact somebody, probably my insurance agent more than likely, just make sure it, it is not in a flood zone.
2: Yes, absolutely. Okay.
0: okay, that's what we do.
2: And it's it's usually the last thing on everybody's mind, mm-hmm. but it's it, it should be getting towards the top of the list there because I've seen a lot of deals in, in the last few months that have fallen through because of flood zone determinations.
1: Right. Well, And then what you brought up earlier is that they could help correct this incorrect designation as the whole property being in a flood zone. Because when you mentioned about this elevation certificate, it takes time to do that. It could be a couple of months to find the person that get on their schedule and then submit it to FEMA and get those things corrected.
2: Yes, it's uh, it, it definitely could be a couple month turnaround time on that. Um, by the time you get the get the company out there to do the measurements and then submit this back to FEMA. Now, that's going to go through a government process to be able to get what's called a LOMA on on the map to, to change the flood zone designation.
1: And that will help um, the seller sell their house quickly and help the buyers know if they can or cannot afford the house.
2: Absolutely. One of the biggest things that you want to try to avoid is whenever you're going through a home transaction and now it pops up that it's in the flood zone. And now it's going to, it could be a couple thousand extra dollars a year in flood insurance and then it's going to totally squash the deal.
1: You had mentioned about the NFIP.gov. As being a provider, what other insurance carriers can somebody go through to get insurance?
2: Well, due to all the natural disasters that have happened over the years with the with the tropical storms, there have been a few carriers come out on the private market, um, and these are all backed by Lloyd's of London. Lloyd's of London is the biggest insurer in the world, um, so there is one in particular. It's called uh, NCIP. They go under cat coverage, um, and. They they do offer private flood insurance that is regulated in the states um, that they that they do write in there are through all fifty states, um, and it was passed in two thousand and fourteen that the mortgage companies should accept private market flood insurance because FEMA used to be the only show in town. There are still mortgage companies out there that make their own rules that they do not want to accept private market flood insurance. Um, but the private market flood insurance, there is definitely a decrease in cost compared to the NFIP.
1: Now, why is that? Why is there such a difference in cost
2: between the two? Uh, simple. Uh, the amount of losses that the private market flood insurance have taken are not as high as FEMA. Uh, think about your big natural disasters that you've had. That was all on FEMA's book. So now they have to make up the difference for all the money that was paid out for those natural disasters. So, one way to do that is they do have to increase the flood insurance premium. Um, which is, which is unfortunate for the consumer, but it just has to be done. So
1: we have some areas that we have people with flood insurance and some people without flood insurance. But say that specific area has been declared a disaster area, and some areas have not been declared a disaster area. How does that differentiate between the coverage or what am I protected against?
2: Okay, let's start that the area has been classified a disaster area. Mm. The people that have flood insurance, they are going to be okay. They are going to be covered because they've had a binding contract. There will be no new flood insurance policies issued while under a state of disaster Um, and the federal government will designate the areas by zip code. Um, So unfortunately if you are in one of those areas that have been deemed a natural disaster area and you do not have flood insurance you will not be able to bind coverage into that area. Now Let's say you're in the same state that you do have natural disasters, but you're not on the zip code list. You will be able to bind coverage as long as they have not declared that zip code that you're living in a natural disaster area. Now, what
1: about the areas that were flooded that didn't get declared disaster areas?
2: Well, if if, if you haven't already had the flood insurance in place and you flooded, you're not going to be able to buy flood insurance after the fact. So so if you're in a uh,
1: area that's flooded, it wasn't declared a disaster area, and you don't have flood insurance, you're in a total loss situation.
2: Unfortunately, you are up that creek without a paddle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when that's the one you don't want to be in. Yeah. yeah that's why we're having the show today. Now, if you're in a disaster area that's been declared and you don't have flood insurance, what do you get out of that?
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, you, you do not have any coverage. Uh, if, you've, if, if, it's, if you're in a natural disaster area and you don't have your flood insurance already, you're not going to be able to get it, and unfortunately, that is going to be on, on yourself.
1: Well, and that's where the misnomer is a lot of people feel that if it's a declared a disaster area, they feel that FEMA will come in and rebuild their house. So you're telling me that's not the case? No. That,
2: no, that is not the case. That is not <laughs> the case.
1: And that's what we want to clarify is that y- there are – when they say there's federal money available for the disaster area – that's there to help roads and other things get the rebuild the infrastructure there. But there are money that you can use to rebuild your house, but it's not given. It is loans. It is lean against your property. Mm. It comes with interest rates and it's not anywhere close to as much money as you need to do the work you uh, need. Certainly. Now, but there, and that's the misnomer that people think that FEMA is going to come in and rebuild my house if it's the, declared a disaster area, and that's such a sad state when people aren't otherwise. I would have
0: assumed that, uh, yeah, FEMA goes in and if you don't have flood insurance, they'll they'll help you.
1: Well, say again, you, you look at all the other costs of it. It's not just right. your house; it's mm-hmm. the the hotel rooms fifteen miles away that you have to go stay in now because your house is destroyed. The, Two months you go without water at your house or power or the, the lifestyle. If you have flood insurance, those things can be provided ancillary benefits to that as well from living standards uh, mm-hmm. perspective. The, the list of costs just doesn't seem to end if you don't have the
2: coverage. Yeah, certainly. And let's not forget, if you do have a mortgage on that home, you're still, you are going to be required to pay <laughs> the outstanding balance on that mortgage. And here's another thing. Whenever the flood cut does come through, and I'll end my point on this, whenever the flood does come through, let's say that your house is washed away by the flood. FEMA can come in there and designate that a high-risk area, and you'll have to rebuild your house somewhere else. So yes, your flood insurance policy still will pay, pay out, but you may not be able to go on that plot of land that you were living on.
1: Well, that's an excellent point. That that was something that learned from Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, is that a lot of those areas were said that we're simply not going to provide coverage here anymore. Yeah, because it shown it will flood again.
2: Yeah. And if, yeah. It's, if, if they deem it a high-risk area, they will not write coverage in that area.
1: So now you got to buy property on top of everything else. Right. And pay off your old mortgage yeah. so that insurance, as Casey said, you're still on the hook for the mortgage. Oh, well, you've got me thoroughly scared to death. Thank you very much. <laughs> so the, the very simple thing to do, talk to your insurance agent. But you could also call Casey at Stalwart Insurance Agency, and he can run... A flood insurance determination on your property if you want to go to nfip.gov and go through that process of determining it your property as well and you know if you want to talk to stalwart about an insurance quote on how much flood insurance would be because it does vary, how does the pricing for flood insurance vary down by the creek or on top of the hill is there a pricing difference:
2: <laughs> Yes, there certainly is absolutely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Obviously, if you're next to a creek and it's flooded in the past, it's going to be more expensive. But if you're on the side of a hill like I was in which this landslide came down, it's not that expensive.
2: It's, it's really not. If, if you are not deemed in a high flood zone area, mm-hmm. the flood insurance premiums are very, very reasonable. And that's what I've learned because it, it was very
1: improbable but when it's, it does happen. That's what insurance is there for. All right. So knowing that it's not as expensive, we may think we need. But how much coverage do we determine that we do need for a house?
2: Okay, well, that's, that's a good question. You could always match the coverage to your coverage A of your homeowner's policy and have replacement cost coverage of your home. Let's say your, your home cost $150,000 to build from the basement back to the top of the roof. You could match it for the 150000 A lot of mortgage lenders, they will only require you to insure for their loan amount. Okay, so that's all well and good. So you can insure for the loan amount. But say you have a $150,000 house and you only have a $50,000 loan on it. Tell me where you're going to replace your $150,000 house for $50,000. Yeah.
1: That's the, another misnomer as well. you you recommending insurance. I always recommend replacement costs, but it is more expensive. So there's budgets that may provide reasons why you want to do less than that. But truly, if the house burns down or it gets washed away with a flood, the only way to get it there back is replacement cost coverage. Yes. So once I have this replacement cost, now how much deductible? Because every same insurance I have has deductibles of some level. But <laughs> auto, health, everything's got a deductible. So what deductible range is for flood insurance?
2: Well, the deductible ranges you go from one thousand dollars all the way up to ten thousand um, dollars. Most of the, the most of the deductibles that I see are around twenty five hundred dollars, um, but. The price of flood insurance in a high flood zone area, they, they, the premiums are very high. So I've had, I've had clients that want to go up to the $5,000 deductible range just to make the coverage affordable. Well, we've certainly covered a lot of topics
1: today on insurance. And Casey, can you tell us how some of our listeners can get in touch with you to kind of go through these details and find out their current situation?
2: Sure, absolutely. Uh, we do have a website. It's stalwartinsurance, S-T-A-L-W-A-R-T, com. Uh, my name is Casey Pepe again, uh, and you can reach our agency at four one two six seven seven two three one two, and you could also visit our website again. It was stalwartinsurance.com, and you can you can give us an email um, and to to have us contact you by phone or email.
1: Yeah, and just to, stalwart to make it easy. It's stalwart, like the football player. You know, it's stalwart, which is definition of stronger than the foundations of the earth name is very appropriate for insurance
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay well uh, speaking of contact information why don't I go ahead and give some contact information for Sonny's company which is Victorian Finance and their website is victorianfinance.com the phone number to call is 888 333 and let me also mention again the other website there is a website for this program that is realestatewithsunnybringle.com well, we're out of time for this week. Sonny, great to see you again. Thank you, Gary. Casey as well. Thank you very much. And we'll Thank see you, you all next time on Real Estate with Sonny Bringall. Victorian Finance LLC is a full-service mortgage lender serving the greater Pittsburgh area with offices in Bridgeville and Murraysville, licensed by the PA Department of Banking, lender license 21334, NMLS number 50635, member Mortgage Bankers Association of Southwestern PA, lend-right home mortgage experts, and equal housing lender.
1: The preceding program was sponsored by Victorian Finance.